The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Welcome to the Juman Power Trip of Wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz, and this is another edition of Who Is? Of course, joining me as the second man in the booth, he is a doctor. He is Mr. J. He is Michael Jargo. Jargo, how are you doing today, sir? I'm I'm doing pretty well, man. It's it's my youngest birthday, but before we get on with the uh, festivities today, I had to get on and do a little Who Is? But Paz, I got to tell you, man, this might be the hardest topic that you've given me yet. Whoa. Pretty crazy. So the other man, the third man in the booth, he is Mr. TMPT, Mr. HMG, Mr. RBV. Rick, what's going on? Uh, doing well. Hey, before we get going here, uh, big happy birthday to little Q over there. Who uh, I don't think it's argu- I don't think it's even arguably hands hands down. Little Q, the the biggest uh, New Japan or Japanese style wrestling fan under the age of twelve. In it in all of existence, it's absolutely true. Uh, I, 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 gar- I guarantee that uh, Jargo's youngest daughter could probably come oh, on here and win uh, a trivia trivia contest against uh, a number of your guests when it comes to the product going on there in, in the Far East. As far as she is concerned, Hiromu Takahashi absolutely on her Mount Rushmore. Wow, uh, as far uh, as me. Uh, in my Mount Rushmore, uh, uh, Mount Rushmore of potential, Ludwig Borg is on there, but just potential wise. I, I think uh, a real quick Q story we got out of the way. Jugger, if you could share her reaction to Seth Rollins, uh, the, the unforgettable reaction that she gave to Seth Rollins. Ross Rollins. Gosh, you say unforgettable, and now I'm trying to remember what in the hell it was. Oh, say, no, she, I, I get, she, she I get dropped, so many crazy Q moments. I was going to say she, when she dropped the F bomb. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. she, she she didn't think very highly of Seth Rollins. No, no, no. He- hearing your your, I think she was like six at the time. What the? When it comes to Seth Rollins, was rather entertaining. And how old is she now? Eight. Wow. Jesus, they grew up so fast. Well, she was like so, four when we started doing this. I know, right? So, as far as today's topic, we're talking about who is. And that is who is on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Just some prerequisites here. Didn't want to go too old school. We can talk about the territories and go some old school stuff, but I kind of want to keep it more 80s and current, 70s, 80s and current, and just kind of stay in that genre. Because if we start going territories, 
we can a little bit, but if we start going old school 70s stuff, I mean, we're talking about Jim Londos and El Santo and Bruno San Martino. I mean, there's Buddy Rogers. I mean, there's so many guys who just keep naming and naming and naming. Kind of wanted to make it just more modern times and just kind of keep the, it as the modern. Russell, the as WrestleMania era, if you will. Sure. Yep. Uh, before we jump into that, though, because it's what I do anytime that I hear the mention of a Mount Rushmore, if it be in, in pro wrestling, anywhere in the world of sports entertainment food yes i have to be that guy so i got to get my rant out of the way yes. ladies and gentlemen just so I, I have to channel my little bit of my uh, dean douglas to take you to school here mount rushmore was not built because those individuals were representing the greatest presidents it doesn't stand for the greatest i will concede for the conversation today that's what we're going for but there is an actual meaning be behind that and it is to commemorate the founding the growth the preservation and development of the united states of america so i always thought it was history i always thought it was just to plant our dick in the sand and say the indians you don't live here anymore this is our territory now. but then we also have this again where we're going to get to a point here probably within the next four or five years where it is going to be very very um when the pc gets their hands on this thing uh such a no-no to mention mount rushmore as it was originated by a bunch of clans members planned by a bunch of clans members to pretty much just eradicate a very holy part of the land for the native american in, the, in that part of the country okay well by those prerequisites clearly hulk hogan the number one <laughs> name on the mount rushmore you can't you can't offend in wrestling without starting with Hogan, I guess. Is that our good jumping point there? That is perfect. The Hulkster to me, when you say Mount Rushmore, you say wrestling. He's the god of wrestling. He is the Babe Ruth of wrestling. He is Hulk Hogan, and it actually was a trick. Mount Rushmore is four Hogan heads to me. Okay, that's the Mount Rushmore: Hollywood See, Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Thunder Lips, and then Sterling Gold. I mean that that's the Mount Rushmore. See, I when when you first mentioned this topic to me, Paz, I thought we were just going to do an hour long podcast about the Young Bucks, Kevin Steen, and Adam Cole. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh God. Um, two out of four ain't bad there, and they may be brothers. The other two I can do without. But uh, as far as this one, you got to agree though. Hulk is got to be on the Mount Rushmore no matter what, right? Well, I think yeah, I, I feel. Go ahead, Rick. I, I was going to say. We're talking WrestleMania era, modern day wrestling, the evolution of sports entertainment. It actually plays, this plays into perfectly for the first real representation behind Mount Rushmore, which is the founding. Obviously, that is Hulk Hogan. Uh, we wouldn't really be talking about on that, that grand boom, the longevity, the moments, the draw to the business. Uh, what he's represented is just a figure an icon in Hulk Hogan. And he could fill, f fall into that founding position from a, a talent perspective. While I agree, and I'm not going to even attempt to make a case that Hulk Hogan doesn't belong on everybody's Mount Rushmore when it comes to professional wrestling. If I were to be a contrarian. Don't do it. I think, I think Andre belongs up there just as much, if not more so than Hogan. While Hogan absolutely carried everything and the whole like business was built on Hogan's back, nobody would give a damn who Hulk Hogan was if it wasn't for Andre the Giant. 
Andre is what really sold all those. Andre's the one that was really over. Andre's the one that brought in all the casual fans that turned people on to Hogan. So, I mean, you could make the case that Hogan doesn't belong on Mount Rushmore. Andre belongs on Mount Rushmore, unless you want to take up two spots, which I'm pretty well open to. It, I don't know. In the conversation, if we're just looking at the WrestleMania era, and obviously I've said this on this show when we were talking about Mr. WrestleManias and giving credit to Andre in that moment, if it was not for him, we wouldn't have had the boom that is WrestleMania. You wouldn't have seen, you know, Hulkamania was already running wild, but it never would have reached those heights. Right. So, but, you know, that was such a great moment. But Hogan was Hogan was able to do with it I think is what sets him apart from that. So if I'm going to compare Hogan to the George Washington, my founder on my greats on Mount Rushmore, then I got to put Andre as like my, uh, my Martha Washington. Well, it, with, with or, all or, of, that or of the said, crossing of the Delaware, that's really that moment that we remember of George Washington. With, with all of that said, I think you could make a case for both of them to be on Rushmore for two very different reasons. I think you could make a case to put Andre up there and Hollywood Hogan up there. I mean, let, let's face it. Hollywood Hogan was the focal point that beat Vince McMahon for 83 weeks and launched WCW yeah. into like worldwide global name recognition. I mean, like, I feel like Hollywood is almost more impo- important than, you know, the Hulkamania era Hogan when it comes to this conversation. If you can't set Jargo, if you can't separate Hulk Hogan, the on-screen character, from Terry the racist, then we're not separating the, the Hollywood from the immortal. They're one Hogan evolved, and I think that is is the reason that another reason he edges out if we're comparing him and Andre. Okay, well, let's say that it's the baseball hall of fame, right? And they're creating the bust of Hulk Hogan to go up there. Do you put the the bandana 24-inch pythons, brother, or do you put Hollywood up there? You put the immortal. Put the immortal. You put the. That's why I want to put the four heads. You put Hulk Hogan. You put Hollywood Hogan. Then you put Thunderlips. You know that's what I want to And what we know in his real life, you put Dickhead Hogan. Oh stop! Would you be serious? Um, but obviously, I would agree on Andre to a certain extent too. I mean, obviously, huge name. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little list of Andre here because I know you guys. You come in. You've already got your. Your mountainside chiseled out. I'm keeping an open mind here. I'm going to fill my spot. So I'm going to keep Andre. uh, I'm going to put him in the maybe list. Hogan and Andre definitely uh, considered. Andre's considered. Hogan is definitely on there. Hogan's got the uh, George Washington spot uh, to me uh, on there. Not that we're picking spots or anything, but just to me, he was the first name I thought of. Should be the first name anybody kind of thinks of, really. I mean, I'm not going to talk promoters like Vince. Oh, Vince should be on there. We don't want to just wrestlers, really. Because then obviously Vince would have to be considered. But would Vince be anything without Hulk? I mean, you got to think about that, too. I don't know. They always say it's vice versa, but I don't know. Would Vince be what he was without the Hulkster? That's a valid point. I mean, I think it's one of those, it's those perfect storms. You know, if if Vern would have seen and realized what he had had, what the magic was, but Vern didn't have the grasp of taking this thing to the entertainment, to breaking outside of that pro wrestling bubble that, that Vince had at the time. It Which Hogan was perfect for. Yes. And, and you kind of wonder, you know, that, that could be another one. You know, who is or who would have been the filler of Hogan didn't make that jump? I mean, who would have been there at that time? 
to fill that spot, or or would have Vince pushed in other areas? Yeah, does, does it completely change that? Yeah, does it completely change the business model without Hogan? So another name that I was thinking of, another guy immediately, and I know Jargo may disagree with this one, but the Nature Boy Ric Flair to me is automatically on there. I would think, I would hope, I would pray. But what do you think about the Nature Boy on there, guys? I mean, when I sat down to make my Mount Rushmore, I couldn't do it. I, I, I could not physically bring myself to choose four names. So I ended up going by era. And, and when it comes to me, like the golden era, I put the Nature Boy on there before I put Hogan on there. To me, the, Ric Flair is the greatest of all time, period, full stop. Um, but as I'm, I, I was looking at like the totalitary of professional wrestling, God, does does Flair make the top four? I, I really, I, I would write down my top four and then I'd be like, how is Ric Flair not on there? And then I'd do it again. And how is Ric Flair not on there? You know, it's, he just seems like, yes, he absolutely belongs on Mount Rushmore. I think you're looking at five decades of damn near dominance. Uh, just out of the gate, maybe the only hindering argument against Flair is that he did it for the majority of the time for the second largest promotions or, you know, or the front uh, running the territories and didn't have that grand stage as Hogan. Even when Hogan made the jump to WCW, he was more of the focal. But when it came to a, a pro wrestler from all aspects, from bell to bell, living the lifestyle for better or worse, whatever kind of person it made him nobody, personified that better than Ric Flair. And as you say here, five decades inside of this business, and again, for better or worse, all these years later, he is probably, arguably, one of the most over names, recognized names inside of all of pro wrestling. No doubt about it. I, does the draw hurt Rick? I mean, you know, you got Hogan out there running, you know, 15,000 seat arenas. And then you've got, you know, Ric Flair and what the NWA Crockett WCW was doing at that point. And they're running, you know, it, it almost looks like ECW smoky bingo halls in the South. Yeah, but they would still, when they would go to their stadium shows, they would draw incredible crowds down at the Superdome and all that. Yeah. I mean, they would still sell out stadiums. It was just, you know, wherever and who he was moving with at the time for, for their big shows, it would it would work. I just think, you know, it's just, as we grew inside the bubble, we learned a lot more about him. Those fans from the South knew about him. He just didn't have that exposure or notoriety that maybe even arguably some of the mid-carters in the WWE had because, again, the visions of what Vince and sports entertainment had just didn't project their stars in that fashion. Flair, definitely a huge name, huge draw. It's just that you're right. It's like one of those things, too, when people talk about Sting and the Warrior, it's like, wow, Sting is definitely the longevity, more popular. But Warrior was around in, you know, the WWF golden era, which is, if people really look at the numbers, is more popular than the Attitude Era just by sheer numbers. I mean, that, you had you had 33 million people. Because you got 33 million people watching Hogan and Andre. Warrior's the guy that beat Hogan. Everybody remembers it. And it's funny. It's like, no, Sting is more popular. No, you ask people, they would think that, and it's the same thing with Flair and Hogan. Everyone knows Hogan. 
just because of the WWF and, and the mainstream and, and that era. And you don't remember Flair as much because he's kind of in the background in NWA. And then with Sting and Warrior, the background of WCW and the WWF. So to me, Flair, I would also definitely consider he's a huge draw. But I feel like he's almost more famous now than he was then, which is That's crazy. one of the weird things with Flair is as he has gotten older, he has gotten more and more over. It's unfortunate that Flair never got over to the point that he should have if when he was in his prime, like yeah. on that national stage when he was in his prime, by the time he got to that national stage, he had already passed his prime and people were just talking about how great he was. Hey, you guys bring us some great, it's just some thinking points here. One, I think it'd be a tremendous conversation to worry. Just an experiment for like a Q rating type system is to, you know, go outside yeah. the bubble and go ask people if they recognize the warrior or sting or which one they have fonder memories of to really judge their popularity. So we were talking about if Hogan never went, could have been Vince that just ultimately pursued flair like crazy. I mean, you got to look, I mean, we all, we've all heard the stories where, you know, they pitched to the million dollar man. We can't tell you the gimmick, but believe us, Vince McMahon would use this. I mean, who would, the only person I could see personifying that in, in a positive or negative manner would be Ric Flair himself. Uh, you got to believe wow. that Vince would have loved to have something like that. I mean, that would have been his image of himself. I mean, like the mirror of himself in the ring. Ric Flair as that million dollar man character would have been, well, money. Well said. So Flair, he's got to be up there considered. We mentioned Andre definitely considered. Hogan to me is, is automatically on there. So it's like three guys fighting for, for those three spots. To me, I mean, not to everybody here, but to me, another guy you would have to consider almost immediately just because his impact, not longevity, but impact on the business and money made and t-shirts sold and pay-per-views and live attendance. Every metric, this guy hit a home run and rounded the bases twice. Stone cold. Steve Austin. 316 has to be on the Rushmore. Like there's, there's absolutely no way I can justify Stone Cold Steve Austin not being on the Mount Rushmore. And it, it sucks that we only got such a brief period of time yep. of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And as much as I love Owen Hart, damn it, Owen, you had to drop him on his head, you know? It, 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 it would have been great if we would have had, like, you know, 15 years of Austin. Hey, you think you, what do you think about the negatives that that lended towards his career and just personal issues that 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 he developed through the injury there? Uh, but in some ways, I mean, it did lend some positives here. I'm not going to hold back. I know when we're talking about some of these guys and their their impressive run, I just put over Flair for staying relevant for that 50 years. But I think it's just as fair to look at someone like Austin and say, "Damn, look at what he was able to do!" And boom. Right. So I think that they're equally impress impressive. Man, to me, it's like, wow, Austin has to be definitely considered possibly almost an automatic to a certain extent just because of the impact in the business. And it's crazy to think like, okay, WCW is killing them 83 weeks. I know people always say, oh, but the Mike Tyson thing helped. The whole thing and the whole reason why that helped is because you had the Steve Austin who was like Hogan back in the day, that top guy that everyone else falls into place. Yes, you could bring in a celebrity and it helps out immensely and get some mainstream, pre mainstream press. But if you have people like seven AEW a bunch of times. So, so you have a bunch of people watching Tyson or Shaq or whatever, or you have in WWF a bunch of people watching Tyson. Why do they stay? Who are they interested in? They're like, holy shit, this Steve Austin guy is amazing. I hate my boss. 
this guy's beating the shit out of his boss. Right. Oh my God, do you see him destroy the Corvette or do the, the beer truck? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you get that audience to turn over, but how do they stay Steve Austin? I remember a buddy of mine stopped watching wrestling for a while, got back into it because of the NWO, and then flipped the WWF because of the Attitude Era. And how many millions of fans did that? I mean, you could tell by the metrics and the numbers because it was like, okay, WCW was here, then they climbed the mat, the ladder, they climbed the mountaintop, whatever. I mean, then they're here. Then all of a sudden, Austin and WWF takes it even further. I mean, it was just one of those things where perfect storm, perfect guy for the Attitude Era. Uh, that kind of attitude was big back then. Um, you know, no nonsense, FU, middle fingers, crotch chop, all that stuff. Steve Austin, he was the man, and he's definitely got to be considered. You talk about you know getting that rub there. If someone would try to use it as an argument against against Austin, I call complete BS on that. Who do you line up and get that same boom, that same right? Yeah, you gotta the, have Austin. the you know the gunpowder and the spark. That's what those they have to go together to create that explosion. There, that's what you had. It goes back to the the greats. You know that we're gonna that all end up is they believed in themselves. They believed in this business. And the reason we bought into someone like Tyson and Austin is because we believed that Austin could do this. There's a reason when when AEW just tried to recreate a little you know run in with him and Jericho, no one was buying that because Jericho's sitting there then at the next step trying to get him on his podcast the, the immediately the next day. There was a buy into that. That's where our disconnects at. You believed in us. It's still to this damn day, even though us we have seen another side of him. You still watch those broker call sessions. You still watch his reality shows. You still believe that guy could go do it. And he's a badass because he spent decades making us believe that, even through the stunning character. And then in that great boom period, we really buy in. Well, but the thing that's funny about Austin, right? I almost feel like the length of his career makes his run better. Like when you just look at that stone cold character, because you we, we you talk about WCW, let's flip it to the other end. Goldberg's not on anybody's Rushmore, is he? Goldberg was just as hot at basically the same period of time, but the longevity has actually hurt Goldberg because the more Goldberg comes around, it takes away from that armor just a little bit more in that image that we have of Goldberg over the course of the last 20 years. Whereas with Austin, when he went out, we still felt like Austin was on top. We still felt like Austin was going to come back at some point. We're going to get some more Stone Cold Steve Austin, and we didn't. So we, we were just forced to look at this little capsule of how hot Austin was. He didn't stick around long enough to stone cold cool off, right? It was just he was so hot, and then he was gone. And I feel like that actually helps Austin. I agree 100%, and that's one of the reasons why he said he's you know would never come back for those situations is he didn't want to change that lasting impression, that last memory uh, of him going out out of WrestleMania. What a tremendous moment. Cough, cough, Shawn Michaels. Well, and then you think about it, you know, too. One point on Goldberg real quick before I transition. Did it hurt? Does it hurt Goldberg in the long run? Because immediately the comparisons were bald guy with trunks. He, they're just trying to steal. It's a badass. It, it's a, it's a, some kind of twist, a ripoff of Stone Cold. So he was always going to be that second fiddle, even in this conversation. So it's harder for him to rise above, to elevate above. But you're arguably right. I mean, for his for Goldberg shirt period, during that streak, damn, it was arguably one of the hottest things we've ever seen inside of pro wrestling. Yeah. And we talk about playing that second fiddle, and in those comparisons, I'd say that is also what hurts The Rock. Also along with possible comebacks and, and different twists and tales. I mean, if we just would have left The Rock at The Rock after he went to Hollywood the first time, would have remembered him different. 
I also think what helps Austin leaving so soon is you didn't see, I really think ruthless aggression would have hurt him. Especially as you've seen more and more of evolve into this 50-50 booking world and him having to work with, I'm going to say, you know, in all aspects, lesser talents. Well, and, and Austin never got pushed down the card. So we always looked at Austin as a top guy because he was always, for that short run, he was always a main event talent. He had that Sandy Koufax, if you're a big mm-hmm. baseball guy. It was like that. We're awesome for a short period of time, and we never saw that downfall, the injury, and then he's gone. So you almost don't see that downfall or that degradation down the card or just him getting de-pushed, even though they almost tried to do it in 02. And obviously he's walked out the door and said, not not doing uh-huh. that. But yeah, no, no chance on that. Uh, but it's interesting you mentioned The Rock there because he's definitely considered as well. But is he the 1A to 1B, or is he the savage to Hogan? Is, you know, he's the lesser. You know what I mean? He's he the rock to Austin. I always thought rock was just a step below Austin. But then, you know, he started to become just when Austin got injured, he became the number one guy, and they were drawing just as well. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, he's the kind of the victim of circumstance where he just was in the right place at the right time following Austin. But also, you had to be that right guy to do it because when you had warrior following hogan you saw a dip you had rock following austin there wasn't that much of a dip until obviously some horrible booking decisions and the invasion angle was was just terrible and and you went that way and you turned austin heel which was stupid and didn't work so if you think about it, it's like okay you go from warrior to a hot hogan period went down took rock from a hot austin period maintained so that's why i consider rock for sure on the list even though I personally might say he might be a step below Austin in the wrestling world. You throw in the acting and the popularity and being the number one star in the world, it might raise his stock a little bit. When, when I made my Attitude Era Rushmore, The Rock was the fourth name on my list. Whoa, um, what the hell? I had Austin, right. Sting. Okay, Rock was on there. Who, who do you think the fourth one is? Hollywood. Hollywood Hogan. No. No, because I, I I I excluded people from being on two oh, on. So you couldn't cross zero. So if you got one one year, uh, I'm going to live here. Vince, I'm going to say Vince Raven. Chris Jericho. Oh, I mean, what, inside what, inside of the attitude, I I would think he would transition more to ruthless. Yeah, well, but but I, is Jericho a name that should be considered for this list? I mean, he he held championships in basically mm. every major company. He's been the face of wrestling for you know the last like twenty years. I think I feel like Jericho is so underrated when it comes to these conversations. He should. I wrote him down considered. as a consideration because I knew um, Jericho. I knew you were a big Jericho Jerichoholic, but um, I did write him down just because I was, I was thinking it's like, man, we were talking about goats, and he was listed on our list as one of the goats, and like he's had success for twenty plus years. He's still on top. He's still a main eventer. Still a draw. Still cutting great promos. So it's like, hmm. Well, I mean, especially longevity wise, it's pretty amazing. When you start throwing in the New Japan stuff, when you start throwing in, you know, the cornerstone and the first champion for all elite wrestling and the launch of the promotion, like I, I feel like we should recognize the greatness that is Chris Jericho and give him his flowers while he's still around. Because I don't know how much longer he's still going to be around. I got Jericho on the fence here. He makes some tremendous, some tremendous. Pro points. I can also see some points against him. Uh, did he claim that greatness in such a down period? Is there enough? I mean, it's so tough that you don't want to give a knock to anyone here, but there's ultimately going to be four spots that cover 
what, 40 years. I, I, I You almost feel like Jericho is kind of like Tom Brady. Like, he's the GOAT that oh. nobody gives any kind oh. of freaking credit to. He's oh. not the most athletic guy. You know, he's not necessarily the best player. All he does is go out and win championships but, and do it for 25 freaking years. But, but Tom Brady has changed the game. Uh, people, you know, they've changed how they played. It, I guess the what is the biggest change and contribution that Jericho has made to professional wrestling. He's done there a lot is. of things. He does a lot. He does a lot of things at a nine and even a ten. But what has been at a fifteen or a twenty? I, the, to me, this is the greatest accomplishment of Chris Jericho's career that nobody talks about. When you go back to his, why did he leave WCW? Because they didn't view somebody as like Chris Jericho to be a main event talent to put in the ring opposite of Goldberg. And now he's been in the main event for 20 freaking years. I mean, like he literally, like the face of wrestling changed around Chris Jericho, the same guy who beat the rock and stone cold Steve Austin in the same night to become the first undisputed champion of professional wrestling. That's a hell of a resume. I love, I love those accomplishments. And I know, and I've said regularly, the guy has moved into this elite, elite club where he goes where he wants, when he wants, does however, what he wants to do here. But, but to me, to get into this list, to get to the absolute very peak of the four names that are most iconic inside of professional wrestling, I don't think if you go out and ask 100 people to name their four favorite wrestlers of all time and we go outside of this bubble, you're gonna I don't know if you'll find any, but very few that will say Chris Jericho because of that stature and boom, that in, true impact. That How about this? Hit. How about this? Since 2001, how many people have said, hey, screw you, Vince. I don't need you. I can do this myself. Chris Jericho. I understand that. That's inside of our bubble, though. Is it? Because he's expanded the bubble. Look at the, what he did for the business of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Look at what he's done for the business of All Elite Wrestling. I mean, like, I, I feel like Jericho has increased the bubble and put more eyes on more professional wrestling outside of WWE than anybody over the course of the I, I last a, 20 years. A, I think in a lot of ways, Jericho, in the sense, is the ultimate worker and opportunist that he knows to go and push these things where it looks like he's taking these ultimate risks when these things are just absolutely on their own verge of booming. And he just happens to be there. Uh, as the chances of going to WWE, he's got this hype around him. He's created this hype. He's out there entertaining people. Why not take the risk instead of leaving the, the good old boys club? You know, it wasn't like he forced his way out of there to go negotiate this damn deal over here. It wasn't all that well-received when he did it. When he goes to New Japan, you've already got years of hype, and you've seen the highest numbers for Wrestle Kingdoms. And, yes, he certainly helps it grow there, but it's already growing. And then with AEW, he just happens into a guy that's a billionaire. Well, you, hey, you're both making some strong points. For me personally, I had Jericho written down, so I was definitely considering him. Um, I know, Rick, I know where you're saying, know where you're coming from, but I, I don't know. I had to consider. I, I, I'm not trying to like knock him on this. Either. I'm just saying there's only four top spots. I mean, I think if you're giving me six to eight of them, yeah. Now, I've got another guy listed here. Longevity, check. The draw part to me is the only not wishy-washy, but the only thing I know Kevin Sullivan always says he's the biggest draw of all time, made the most money, but he was never the top guy. He was always the 
second guy. He was never the top draw, but he was around so long and he was a draw in his own way and obviously sold a shit ton of merch and everything else. But what about The Undertaker? I feel like if you're making a WWE Mount Rushmore, Undertaker absolutely belongs there. I think if you're looking at professional wrestling over the course of the years, Undertaker just barely misses out. Again, this comes back, you know, there's there's very few spots. If we're expanding this thing to 6, 8, 10, yes, I agree with Jericho. We're looking inside of that WWE, WWF bubble itself. The Undertaker was a tremendous draw, and people remember those great moments and, and just the, the feelings that you personally had in occasions with him. Let's not sick ourselves. For the majority of the time, even there, he was that you can always go to novelty act. And at many times, they would sh- easily shift him back down the card, and he was one of those guys that was interchangeable there. I would argue that I think he's probably a lot more recognized than some of the names we're going to talk about here. Just and That's just a lot of just because he's such an imposing figure himself. He's a guy that truly believed. I mean, he took one of the what we would people would say is the corniest characters ever, and you look at the shelf life there, all tremendous arguments. But because he never carried, seriously carried the company or the business, I think that's the the number one deterrent. To me, too. I was like, man, he's such a great guy, great wrestler to have. Good draw for the most part, but not the draw. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, attitude error. Yes, his feud in the highway to hell with Austin was great, but that was Austin drawing, really. And Austin Rock. I think he, and he's stuff, in one so. of those. He's in one of those weird spots. If we made like a list of our top ten, uh, top twenty, that he could easily any three of us would take him as our first draft pick, but not net, but not necessarily put him on this list that we're debating today. Yeah, he's such an interesting one to me because he's been around forever, the ups and the downs. But right, he was never like the guy ever, ever. Like there was the Bret Hart era, there was the Shawn Michaels era for very tiny bit then the steve austin era then a little tiny bit of the brock lesnar era coming through but uh i don't think brock would probably be uh on anybody's list what or would he be he, he made my modern list if i was doing a modern mount rushmore you know and i'm looking at like you know 2010 to current Brock Lesnar is absolutely on the list. So, I mean, he's on the short list, but I don't think that he, he qualifies for the Mount Rushmore. Left for too long to really kind of be considered. What about the man right after him, his cohort, his partner in crime there for a tiny bit, and, and the guy that would kind of take the reins really from him? What about John Cena? John Cena has to be on this Mount Rushmore. As much as it pains me to say that John Cena has to be on the Mount Rushmore if for no other reason than he was the guy in basically the only professional wrestling company that was functioning inside of the United States for 20 years I mean and and we kind of went through the whole gauntlet with Cena right where we saw the ruthless aggression promo we go on that ride with John Cena then we hate John Cena because of guys like CM Punk like we never got the Cena heel turn but we didn't need it because the fans just treated John Cena like he was a heel but then it became you know after the matches with like AJ Styles it was like all right 
John Cena, you have my respect. I'll go ahead and I will cheer John Cena again. Even now, as he comes back for these one-off appearances, the let's go Cena, Cena sucks thing. It's almost become like the, the Kurt Angle, you suck. Like people do it adoringly now. John Cena has to make the list, whether you like it or not. When we look at these great leaders and we talked to Sal and it, what's been a, a heavy factor in my decisions is your impact and were you caring just not your promotion, but the business. And John Cena did that for better or worse. Well, and, and I want to, I want to ask you gentlemen, this did John Cena have to carry from an all around perspective, just not because of the quality of the business is down and gimmicks that are around him and booking strategies. Did he carry the hardest transition and evolution, if you will, of pro wrestling on his shoulders. You are you look at where society, where it is moving. You look at the company going to publicly trade it. You're you're worried about now about investors and offending those individuals. Your advertising is expanding. You have television deals that are going through the roof. You have to deal with developing, understanding, developing, and promoting social media. Your global reach is deeper and greater than it has ever been before. You have a huge portion of this bubble that absolutely turns on you from philosophies that have been time, you know, proven, tested to work in the past. Yet you still retain a core, a great core fan base, not even just beyond a core because you're regularly killing it in merch sales. You're one of the greatest talking heads. You are expected there is no personal life at this point there is no going to the you know the hotel lobby is flair and dilly whopping people there is no doing whatever hogan's doing at his time there is no going home beating your wife and slamming beers as austin did talking to that i would think that cena carry had carried his the duties that he was put on the his shoulders by far the toughest that anyone has seen when given the responsibility to be the front man of professional wrestling. Well, and I think the one thing that you didn't mention in all that, that might be the most important was the Chris Benoit thing, right? Like John Cena became the face of the company that I think people forget or are just, they, they never paid attention to it because they were too young to live through the Benoit thing. I don't think people remember how close the wheels were to coming off at that point and see they needed somebody like john cena at the top of the card to be that squeaky clean public image corporate champion guy and he played the role magnificently john cena i mean he spent his career making you know chicken salad out of chicken shit to me I want to say yes to Cena in, in a certain aspect, but I, I don't know if I can. To me, he led to the downfall of the business and them going against what the fans wanted and it was just what they wanted. He sold merch, but only to half the audience. If you were to say, let's say, Hogan got booed by half the fans. During so, the only ha- so him selling to half the audience and still is number one, so everyone else, that other 50% is just divided by those people. I mean, no one could top what he was doing. I mean, he was blowing everyone out of the water. I know there could be an argument because he had 12 items opposed to two or three. Right. But I also, mean, also, I think the, the fans that may have bought some other merch, they left because he was on top. As you see the decline, literally him on top, 
straight arrow down for the business for years, just headed I mean, straight on down. Yeah, it, but now you see record sales. I was going to trade it. The company's worth more than it's ever been. You're in. That's the market. thing, right? Like the, the company has made more money with John Cena on top than anybody else. Wouldn't and it's because Vince of the credit though, not Cena. No, because that does not happen without John Cena. If you do not have somebody like John Cena to be that corporate tool that none of us could freaking stand the squeaky clean image of professional wrestling, there's no way they get to the point where they can sign billion dollar TV deals with Fox. But he has nothing to do with TV rights or anything. I mean, that's, they think wrestling is live it's sports. A, it's a presentation. It's the same thing. Let me look at the boom in the NFL with a guy like Peyton Manning. You know, he's just that good, wholesome guy that is your pitching out there when you're a network executive and you don't understand what's you have the slightest idea what's going on here. You start studying this a little bit. You look at that perfect blue chipper that Mr. America represents what, you know, the, the values and standards of what they're going for today. You absolutely have to have that guy as a figurehead. Captain Hammer, corporate tool. To me, seen as such an enigma because even his return now, still not a TV rating guy, still doesn't help with the obviously by race somatic as the network, but he didn't generate that much except for house shows and merchandise. So that's like his bread and butter. That's his thing, but he does nothing for people wanting to watch. I find that interesting because when you Goldberg said he, you just said he did something for house shows, and it's a modern era where those are dead. You don't talk people into buildings anymore. And Cena could reasonably do that in a modern era. Yeah, Brock Lesnar, good. Brock Lesnar comes back to WWE. Nobody cares. John Cena comes back to WWE. It's on TMZ. It's on Entertainment Tonight. It's on Daily Mail. He is way more over with the casual fan than Brock Lesnar is. Right. There's no doubt about that. But it's weird that that doesn't translate to people watching the show. <laughs> Lesnar on SmackDown, people were watching and tuning in. You saw the ratings go up. Cena returns to Raw is like a slight uptick. Goldberg returns, it was a bigger uptick. So it was weird. It's like, okay, Goldberg TV draw, 54 years old. Cena, oddly not. Like they were pumping up the summer of Cena, his return. They definitely thought they were going to do better business TV wise and USA wise. And, and he didn't help like TV on uh, TV at all. It is kind of funny, right? That, you know, John Cena happens to come around right around the same time as quarterly financial reports are getting ready to be released and Madison square garden shows are being booked crazy how that works. And I think too, you know, there's something too, besides this rating, because we've learned in this here and there still is an importance. Our angel works in TV, understands what's going on with these advertising dollars, but in the WWE pitch, they're worried about if they're making those investors, if they're making the networks that they're selling this BS to, feel good in those moments and someone like john cena makes them feel good that's his yep. selling point oh there's no doubt i mean he's definitely a bigger star than everybody they have maybe lesnar reigns is like arguable but he's definitely their big star just to me i was surprised that like when flair and hogan return they got 2.1 million viewers cena returns there was like a slight uptick 1.8 1.8 it's just weird the way that works sometimes and now, well, now because of situations, I think you know you again. When you're looking at this Western base. I think we go globally. I think Cena blows Brock and Reigns out of the water. Yeah, me too. So Cena's definitely he's got to be considered. He, even though to me he's an enigma, he's got to be considered for sure. The only thing to me that kind of knocks Cena a little bit is Austin never got booed. Hogan never got booed in their primes. The guy's getting booed out of the building. Kind of weird for a top heel, a top baby face, and the face of the company. Again, I would argue on this, you've got 
What are you talking about? Hogan never got booed out of his prime. He had two primes, and one of them was all about hate. It was one of the greatest. No, the Hogan, Hogan era. Okay. Hogan era, yeah. uh, because at that point, you have your society is so different here where anything red, white, and blue is immediately going to be embraced. Anything that is wholesome, that is a good old slice of Americana. Cena's in, a, in an era where, I mean, that's ultimately frowned upon. You, got, you say you're proud, you're a proud patriot that you love America. Uh, hell, you go out to dinner, Paz. There in New Jersey, you might have trash thrown at you. Uh, Austin was there partially because even no matter how he was acting, again, how society was, I mean, it was more of a, we're going to, we're going to, the backlash was in effect. We're going to fi start firing back at authority figures. But you had such tremendous heels inside of Vince McMahon in The Rock that they were so hated that he wasn't going to be booed. Cena didn't – that might, that's one of the things that hurt him. You need that great dance partner. Everyone else on here, we can talk about tremendous dance partners. Cena never was had that, that opportunity, was fortunate enough to have someone that was – you know, that, that true B player to compliment where he needed it. He should have. It just didn't work with him and Orton. I don't yeah, know what it was. Uh, yeah, it because, work, well, yeah. I'll tell you what it was, because Orton H was a bastard and always wanted him wanted that to be his spot. It was holding other people down from it. And then Orton was Randy being Randy and didn't care. But it is crazy that when you put John Cena in a ring with somebody that, you know, the IWC considers to be a all-time great talent – suddenly John Cena can wrestle. Like if, 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 if instead of Randy Orton, he would have had AJ Styles to, you know, go out and have, you know, matches. Right, those with matches over are great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, how different would it be? You know, if he would have had Kevin Owens on the roster to play opposite Good of matches, for, yeah. you know, 10 years rather than Randy Orton, would we view John Cena in ring differently? Yeah. Because those matches are fantastic. Outside of your move sets and your star ratings, if you would have had, Cena as your baby making those runs against a Brock Lesnar had he stayed there is that big bad wolf heel. We would have been talking about something much different. I mean, those guys right. could have been, you know, blown Hogan and Andre Hogan and Savage. Anything with the NWO. I mean, the potential that you would have had there with those two because of how they look, their, their natural charismas in completely different ways and how you could have had the opportunities to present them. Could have changed how we're talking about pro wrestling right now. So I got some other guys on my list that I definitely considered and almost like teeter-tottering. I know a little bit of behind the scenes. Some of them did some booking as well that I kind of thought was great. Uh, what about Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, and Terry Funk? Would they be considered at all? I mean, they. it's difficult because this is where you start getting into where do you start the Rushmore at, right? You know, like if I'm just looking at Dusty from like the WrestleMania era on, probably not, right? He doesn't make the list. If I'm going back to, you know, the 70s and including everything from, you know, that the territory period and MSG and everything, yep. That, then you start making a different case for Dusty Rhodes. I would say, yeah, I think it, you, when we talk about this WrestleMania era, it just might have been so much on the backside of these tremendous talents. Yeah, and the, uh, and had, the same with guys like Lawler, you know, like how do you compare what he was doing in Memphis to Hogan at WrestleMania three? You know, or even to, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, that in that moment inside of that bubble was amazing fire. It, you know, it was changing. It was evolving professional wrestling, but hell, I mean, 
we could still turn around and say, well, yeah, but then 15 years later, Triple H is selling out arenas around the world. I don't know how accurate that is, but at least he's having great crowds. Around the <laughs> I was going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Terry Funk, I always considered like up there or like at least be considered just because of his overall greatness. But obviously, you know, kind of a little bit of a nomad ECW, not that popular, but man, he's hard not to just think of like, man, he's just the perfect uh, crazy ass wrestler. When you think of wrestler, like what you'd want to be. Just obviously a draw. Obviously, he's popular, but obviously, you know, he did some FMW, some crazy stuff, some ECW. So I don't know if he would be really considered, like you said. I mean, Hogan's main eventing ninety three thousand seat arenas, and Anoki's getting into the ring with you know Onita, and you're getting Funk and Onita in FMW, and there's stuff blowing up left and right, and you're like, what the hell am I watching right now? But what about Anoki and Giant Baba? Antonio Anoki and Baba. Again, I, I Anoki and Baba, if you're making like an all-time list, I think they have to be on there because I, I people in, you know, the United States don't realize how many freaking tickets they sold over the course of the years and in, in between New Japan and All Japan. Um, but inside of the WrestleMania on era, not so much. It, for a lot of the Japanese talent for me, it goes back again to looking at professional wrestling as a whole. Tremendous mm-hmm. individuals, but they've always stayed inside of that East bubble where these other names were recognized and making impacts globally. Well, and it's funny that you say that because if I'm making my list for my modern era, if I'm making my, my Mount Rushmore for right now today, who, who do I have as on my Rushmore? I have Lesnar on there. I have Reigns on there, and then I have Okada and Omega. Like, I feel like those two, inside of that global context, have provided more outreach for Japanese professional wrestling than we'd seen in the last 40 years. I could even have a conversation with you, pro-Omega, and that's just very sad for the state of professional wrestling where we're at today. It's true. So... All time, though, not not modern day, all time. Would Harley Race or anybody else be on the list? Like old school, or is, or is he too much of the generation before where he wouldn't even be considered either? Yeah, I have Harley and Bruno both kind of on that, just the generation right before where right. I started considering the list off of the prerequisites that you gave me, Paz, trying to yes, make me yes. look like the bad guy. Yes, yes. But I know you made other lists, so I'm just... Yeah, I mean, Harley Race absolutely makes my classic list. My classic list is Bruno, Anoki, Baba, and Harley Race. Nice. What about the Rowdy one? Does Roddy Piper rank anywhere on anybody's list? Yeah, it's crazy. When I was making my kind of like golden era list, I have Flair, Hogan, Andre, and then I was really, really torn. Macho Man? Well, Macho Man, yeah, he's right up there. Or who who do you put on there? Macho Man or Piper? Like, uh, that was go. a really difficult one for yeah, me. Yeah, I'd probably lean Macho, I guess. Rick, what do you would think? Macho Piper be on or the... Macho? I, I would go Macho in that. Would Macho make the normal, just regular old uh, Mount Rushmore? He's a god. So, I think there, there, was, there, there was so much of just being the Scotty Pippen throughout the career. And I think it's, yeah. it, it, 
that was okay for Macho because he understood how one of the most important, not just one of the the most important, how to make money. Well, and he's kind of in the flair mode too, where it's like as great as Macho Man was, as great as Ric Flair was, who were both mm-hmm. standing in the shadow of Hulk Hogan. Yep, that's true. Would Bret Hart make the list at all? So much love for Bret Hart lately. I'm glad that everybody's starting to come around. Probably not though, right? Just I mean, just based off in ring, obviously, yes, easily, but it's got to be the whole package. Uh, you know, regularly on these shows, Bret Hart is in the top. He's won so many of these. Yeah. I, he's one of those that these things have made me realize. Damn, he was good. But it's like one of those, like when we get to like a like an NFL Hall of Fame, it was like, oh, damn, I always forgot about that guy. So where does that stand out? Uh, I think he's probably him and maybe Shawn Michaels are like that precursor to the Jericho blueprint of every tool, everything right, does great, but there's just maybe just that couple inches or so that separate those individuals from when we're talking the top four icons. And, you know, we talk about the downturn in business with Cena, you know, when Brett and Sean kind of took over from that Hogan era, let's not pretend like the new generation was a big hit. Right. Definitely not. Yeah, you know, it wasn't, you know, you're trying to come out, there you've got you're pulling back the curtain all these steroids you got the head man head in the jail you know that's it's right there neck and neck with one of your guys going berserk and murdering his family you're gonna lose everything here they didn't care it Racina did now obviously they didn't have the all those avenues you didn't have the distribution and all that you didn't have that reach i think you know a lot of the creative then too didn't help so and i don't want to hold that against them but you're going to have those things weighing you down. So, it, it, you know, the things that you pointed out against Cena, pause, he still was able to elevate himself and elevate the business at the time. We're not, these guys necessarily didn't do that. Who else? Did we miss anybody? Uh, I, I did like a name that you had mentioned earlier, pause, and I don't know if I'd put him up there. Ne- you know, necessarily he's very recognized for what he means to modern day pro wrestling. I mean, he's the, the father of it, but the character Mr. McMahon. Okay. Uh, he, he, how many, he, you know, he created, I mean, what he was, I mean, just for the, does he deserve to be in a conversation? Former WWF world champion. I Jardo. guess, I guess he would probably, I mean, like he, if he was on this list, if he was on the list to be voted for, I don't think anybody would object. I don't think that he would necessarily get a lot of votes. Would, would he fall into maybe arguably one of the greatest characters, just not icon, standout representatives of pro wrestling? Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, always the guinea, never the pig. Got anybody else, Jargo, that we forgot? Uh, the only other name that I really have on my list uh, well, there's two of them. Number one is Bruiser Brody. Um, but uh, again, he's kind of that pre right at that WrestleMania kind of deadline. Um, but I, I, I think Brody and his significance on a global scale absolutely puts him into consideration. And then for everything that we said about John Cena, uh, I, I have to throw out his counterpart, even though he's not going to make the list. He again, this kind of that Vince McMahon territory where he deserves to be on the ballot, even though he's not going to get any votes, is Hiroshi Tanahashi and him carrying New Japan Pro Wrestling for about 20 years when that company was dangerously close to going out of business. 
Now, as far as who is on the Mount Rushmore, Rick, Mr. Goats and Hoes, why don't you go first? All right, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm even going to give you in, in order here. Shit. All right, my number four spot going up on uh, my uh, big Indian mountain here. Uh, number four is going to go to Flair. Number three, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Number two, to Hulk Hogan. Number one all time, John Cena. You're insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jargo, what do you got? I agree with three of those. And the three that I agree with are Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and John Cena. I, I'm really, really torn between putting Ric Flair on my Mount Rushmore or Andre the Giant. Well, you got to pick one. Wow. I know, right? Like I could, I could have that one out, too, because I got Flair at that four. I mean... Because I feel like Andre belongs there. I'm going with Andre. I'm going with Andre. I'm sorry, Nature Boy. I'm sorry. You're the greatest of all freaking time. But the, you don't only, make the, my the only reason I've given mine to Flair is because of what he was con- able to continue to do in the 90s, but moments in the 2000s, and then even you know through today where he remains one of the most recognized, iconic people still involved in the business. And it's crazy that even with that, all that said, and as long as he's been gone, I feel like Andre the Giant is still more over than Ric Flair today in 2021. It would be interesting if they just took a segment of the show for like a month and played like an Andre, like 15 minutes of Andre to see where the ratings would be. (laughs) People would tune in for that. Right. So for me, I've got Hulk Hogan, obviously. I mean, that's 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 an obvious one. Got the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I got Stone Cold Steve Austin. And my fourth would have to be The Rock. So John Cena is nowhere near making my list. Sorry, guys. No way. No, no how. No chance. But Rock, Austin, Flair, Hogan would be mine for sure. Andre was definitely somebody to consider maybe pushing out Rocky, maybe pushing out Flair there. But Andre was definitely considered big time in my book. But that's it for who is on your Mount Rushmore this week. So why don't we head on over to the plugs? Jargo, what do you got? Find me across social media, especially Twitter these days, at not Jargo. And uh, then, uh, yeah, just, just kind of check in there because there's going to be uh, some announcements about stuff coming up here in the next few days. Ooh. Uh, Whoa, what's what's, 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 what what's the puppy Instagram, too? I mean... Uh... At Husky Kimura, pause, this is ridiculous. My yeah. dog has 17.6 thousand followers on Instagram in, in about, in, in, in like a week and a half. Wow. My dog is so much more over than we are. Like, wow, damn. What the damn hell, right? Like, instead of starting a podcast all these years ago, I should have just bought a dog. Good point. Wow, 17,000. Jesus. That's pretty uh, damn impressive. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Rick, what do you got? What do you got for plugs? Uh, well, again, coming up here, October 16th, Professional Wrestling Alliance presents Food Trucks and Wrestling FTW coming at you from the west side of Cincinnati, Chevy, Ohio, at the Cincinnati Elks Lodge, number five. Going to be a tremendous show. Got some great in reaction, some great eats. Hey, if, if you're within driving distance, I encourage you to, to give us a shot. Come out, check out one of our events. 
and just keep up with everything with uh, with my PWA. Go over to facebook.com backslash professional wrestling alliance with all of our updates uh, for me personally across all social media at the real RBV. Nice. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. And of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. What's, what's on tap for uh, next week? You guys got any ideas? Any good stuff coming up? Any, any thoughts? Gosh, did you love it when he just like puts you on the spot like that? Yes. I was, you know, trying to think of some things that, that are kind of relevant. Now we've yeah. got the, uh, I know we can always go to the king. As we have the oh king, yeah, they got King of the Ring coming up. The yeah. King of the Ring coming up. We could talk about who you know outside. I guess because of the King gimmick itself, I think maybe a lot of people would just assume Jerry Lawler. I mean, we could go with just overall who used the best King, or maybe who made the best transition out of the King gimmick from the King of the Ring. We've seen some bad ones there. Some people that could have made it. Did they make it good? Baron Corbin. There you go. Isn't Nakamura technically the king right now? Well, that's, yeah. that's what I'm curious. Like, are we gonna have two kings now, or is he gonna fight the guy for the crown? Like, what's, what's up with that? I always like the Macho King. I don't know. I'm always uh... or King Harley Race, King Haku. That's because they Now, see what uh, did did they actually win those? I know it was before it was pay per views, but did they win those because Haku was granted his after Harley Race won on leave? Do you remember he tried to come back and, and reclaim the crown and they took him out? Yeah, but uh, then Duggan beats him for it and then Savage beats Duggan. Yeah, but I know there were some years before the King of the Ring existed because Macho actually won the King of the Ring tournament before ever using the King gimmick. So does that count? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to have to come up with our parameters. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Well, you, you sit there, you, you think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll reconvene. But thank you everybody yes. out there for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for a little bit of who is? See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You could check us out on Facebook. You could subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.